Flight attendants, please prepare for takeoff. Wheeler, cycling, line A, scores! I don't believe my eyes. Wheeler gets a hat trick. Oh my goodness. Buckman has another. Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, hosted by Jets TV. It is the clinching of a postseason berth edition of Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. The uh, Jets have just defeated about an hour ago the National Predators 5 nothing in a convincing victory, which allows them to uh, advance to the Stanley Cup playoffs for a second consecutive season. An impressive victory. It's been a great week outside of one little hiccup along the way, but uh, Jamie Thomas with you alongside Tyler Esquivel and Mitchell Clinton. Mitch, uh, first off, uh, heading into tonight, the opportunity was there. All they needed was one point to uh, advance the playoffs for the second year in a row. Is this a little bit more than you expected? Well, I mean, it's it's hard to to know what to expect. I mean, the one thing that always stands out to me when the when the team kind of comes back to Winnipeg is the is the quote from Blake Wheeler, just the fact that th- that first period is always the 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 hardest period for the team to play, and they came out and I think they were. I think they they had the edge in terms of uh, high danger chances against the Predators in the first period, but it was a pretty even kind of first period. The shots on goal favored Nashville. But then from there on, I mean, Winnipeg was absolutely dominant. That was, I mean, Wheeler said probably the best game they've played this year, and what a time to get it. The other thing that's good about it, too, is you you pick up the two points. They only needed the one, like you mentioned, to, to clinch the playoff spot. But always nice to, to get the win, uh, to earn your spot, as opposed to, you know, having teams kind of lose throughout and, and that kind of stuff. So a very convincing win for Winnipeg over Nashville. This season has been anything but similar to a year ago, but here's some uh, fun fact. They clinched the 75th game last year against Nashville on home ice on a national television audience to do the exact same thing again this year. So there's not many similarities between this year and last year, but there's one right there. Tyler, when you look at this week, the Jets go on a road for three games uh, through the Pacific Division, play very well in Los Angeles, a great game in Anaheim, and as I mentioned, a little hiccup in Vegas when they play their third game in four nights. So as, t- as Mitch touched upon... It's always tough that first period, but how did you like the way they built upon that period with the Nashville Predators and then went on to dominate the team afterwards? Yeah, I mean, going back to to the road trip, like you mentioned, I was just impressed that we were able to um, watch the Jets go out and perform against two teams that in in Los Angeles and Anaheim that are pretty much down and out. Um, Dangerous teams. Exactly. Those are the the games that you can't sleep on because if they'll pounce on you because they have something to prove. There's jobs being fought for there. So I I really liked what the Winnipeg Jets were able to do in – California, obviously, like you said, the hiccup in uh, in Vegas, but in, you about just that. look at that game and it's just no, like it's, yeah. that's a tough one. Uh, and then, uh, like you know, echoing a lot of what Mitch had said about the game against Nashville that we just witnessed, that was a complete and total dominant performance. And the the there are endless names that you could go on about about who had great performances and good games but to me Kevin Hayes really sticks out I I thought that was his best game that he's played as a Jet it's pretty small sample size but he was just noticeable in all three zones all phases of the game uh, making things happen away from the puck creating plays out of simply nothing Uh, and then also shout out to Nikolai Ehlers too I mean the top line went without a point but they were great I mean that that first shift I thought 
Ehlers was flying all over the ice. He was in the right spots, and you could just tell that something really clicks there with that three. I don't know. What did you guys think of that? Uh, that trio? they were they were quick all over the ice, and then you know it just it seems Nikolai Ehlers. I mean, whether he's on the second power play unit or whatever uh, unit he's on. He always talks about wanting to make sure he uses his speed at the right time. It's not 110 miles an hour or kilometers an hour, depending on what system you prefer. Yeah. Uh, What's that? The all the time, on? you know, to be able to to create chances, you got to be able to pick your spots and use it at the right time. And I thought that was one of the big things that he did extremely well with with uh, Mark Shifley and, and Blake Wheeler. That, and I think the three of them, if I'm not mistaken, combined for somewhere around. 14 or 15 shots against the Predators like it was because uh, that was the one thing like we mentioned that that line didn't have any points Blake Wheeler himself had five shots and they were I mean some incredible quality ones I think of the one I believe it was in the third period where, mm-hmm. where Pekka Rene stuck the leg out on him and then Mark Shifley had six of his own and at least three of them were right in the slot so I mean that that line was was fantastic despite you not even getting on the score sheet then I, I mean I guess Kyle Connor also deserves to be mentioned for his yeah. first career hat trick as well oh hey Connor Hellebuck too you know oh yeah yeah he was second uh shut out in as many starts you touch on the top line not getting any points Saturday night against Nashville you they have two shutouts in their last three games the two victories clearly but those both those that shut out in Anaheim top line doesn't get any points again so they're getting offense from other places which mm-hmm. is always a good sign the move from Ehlers to the top line with Shifley and, and Wheeler for Saturday's game also Patrick Laine with Kevin Hayes and Kyle Connor so now you're Kevin Hayes you come to Winnipeg you're leaving an organization that is clearly going another direction all of a sudden, your new head coach, Paul Maurice, tells you Saturday morning, hey, we've got one guy that scored 30 goals twice on the verge of scoring it three times, and we've got another guy that scored 30 goals once in his NHL career on the verge of doing it again. I think you have to be pretty happy if you're Kevin Hayes. Oh, absolutely. And and that's the he always described himself as kind of a, a pass-first kind of guy. And, I mean, you're going to put him on a line with uh, a guy like Patrick Laine, who Kyle Connor said, very underrated passer in his own right, but he's also a guy that can shoot the puck. And, if not for a couple of posts against Nashville, he would have had a couple of his own as well. So, I mean, and he's fit right in. I mean, left-handed center, uh, that was the look that Maurice wanted to see uh, with, with Patrick Laine there. And then he said Kyle Connor would have a big role in that line success. And, I mean, look no further than the win over Nashville. I know somebody will be really thrilled about the Jets clinching a playoff berth. It's Darren Millard. He's a guy that was uh, born and raised in Manitoba, has been a huge Winnipeg Jet fan his whole life, hasn't really been able to say it because he worked at one of the National Sports Network for a long time. Now he's able to be clear about his feelings about the team. Uh, does have a podcast called The Chirp. He's had some pretty impressive guests on it so far. And uh, I know you guys both remember this. One of the most interesting moments in Patrick Laine's pre-NHL career was the interview that he the did interview. with Darren Millard on Sportsnet, uh, laying in his bed. Uh, I asked Darren Millard about that, what they thought of that moment, what they thought of Patrick Laine uh, during that, and that's just part of this conversation I have with Darren Millard. All Winnipeg Jets single game tickets for the 2018-19 season are now on sale. Choose the matchup you want to see and pick your seats today by visiting winnipegjets.com slash tickets. This is Kyle Connor. You're listening to Ground Control, the official podcast of the Jets. Pleased to welcome to Ground Control, the official podcast of Winnipeg Jets, uh, a guy that uh, knows the game, a guy that loves goaltenders, and a guy that has his own podcast. He is Darren Millard. Darren, how are you today, my friend? I'm I'm doing great. I just got finished 
taping a podcast interview for my own, and now I'm going to tape uh, a podcast interview with you. It's podcasting day around here. When you look back, even now and into today, the, the, the building process was long. It was arduous and probably very frustrating for a lot of people. Um, what do you think of the fact that this is, this is all turned out the way it has when Kevin Cheveldayoff, uh, Mark Chipman, the whole gang could have just said, you know what, we got to, this is taking too long. We got to do this, this, and this, but instead stayed with the plan and now they're reaping the benefits of it. Yeah. I, uh, I, there was a couple of points where I was like, okay, that's, that's too patient. Uh, let's, mm-hmm. let's do something. And, uh, and, but knowing I, I've known Kevin for a long time. Uh, back to our high school days, I like to remind people that uh, that I was the one copying off him uh, in math class in Crocus Plains and Brandon, and not the other way around because uh, I really needed Ke- Kevin helped get me through uh, through high school. Uh, yeah. uh, so I've known Kevin, and and he's he's so smart. Uh, uh, thinks uh, uh, almost um, almost from a lack. He at times I, I I'd say that he lacks emotion. Because mm-hmm. he's able to just step back so far and analyze things, and I don't know how he does that, how he he can get to that stage uh, and that place. But uh, but if 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 you've got an owner who is on the same page, and very few owners are as patient as as Mark and True North are, so if you've got if you have that ability, uh, it makes life a whole lot easier. To, to come with that uh, that thinking and uh, Mark Chipman and Kevin Cheveldayoff, I dare say, are almost the perfect pairing when it when it comes to that. I know both are are passionate uh, hockey people and very competitive hockey people, uh, but uh, but Mark bought in to uh, the patience uh, route, and and Kevin was the the perfect guy to execute it, uh, but. There was a couple of points there, decisions where I was like, "Okay, let's <laughs> let's speed it up," and they didn't. And uh, and I guess they know uh, they get the last laugh on that because, well, it's not last laugh. Uh, we all get to laugh together on that. Yeah, no kidding. And in two, it was 2015 yeah. at that one point when they got into the playoffs for the first time. Yeah. Was that kind of to you where you wanted yeah. to? You thought they would build off that and keep going? Let's go. And uh, and 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 because of where contracts were and. And where their their evolution was, they had to almost uh, step back um, mm-hmm. for, in that process, and and it would have been easy to make a few changes, and because we were we were talking about that, uh, and and I the, the where I was at the time, I was almost like the the de facto spokesperson with our group uh, mm-hmm. because because people knew how close I uh, am to this situation, and and my where my passion is, and I'd be I'd be telling Doug or Nick or whoever. Like no, yeah. no, they've got a plan. They've got a plan. <laughs> and then, and as I'm leaving the room, I'm like, damn it, out with the plan. Let's yeah. go. But uh, but it's and then when the uh, when the draft lottery number came up that night, uh, uh, it was funny because I was I was hosting the draft lottery and I knew the result. I get the results to, uh, about 15, 20 minutes before the uh, we did the television show, and I walked yeah. back in and I knew I'd run into Kevin earlier uh, and Mark earlier that before we went on the air. So I knew that they were both there and walking back into the room and just making a little eye contact, Kevin, careful mm-hmm. not to, to reveal what I knew, but I was so pumped that they'd won that, uh, that number two pick. So uh, uh, that kind of, that obviously jump started things a little bit too. 
Okay, well, on that note, uh, Patrick Lane was uh, at the time the number two prospect, and some argue could have been the number one prospect with Austin yeah. Matthews. Uh, you had one of the more interesting video interviews, probably in television history, with a prospect when you guys spoke with Patrick across the seas. I have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. <laughs> you don't. How could you forget? <laughs> I, I just, I've always wondered, and I'm never okay, going so to here's the backstory. Because I worked that. with you. I worked yeah. with you at that time. And to me, I'm like, how do they keep it together when that when Patrick is so, how do I say, relaxed during okay, that interview? So, so here's the thing. We we recorded that. Draft uh, draft lottery is on a Saturday. Yeah. We recorded uh, that interview. Uh, we do rehearsals on Friday uh, uh, where we run through all the uh, the, the shots. And the National Hockey League is there and making sure all of our language is correct. And it's, uh, it's, it's an intense process. And, and part of that also includes an interview with, with the top prospect. Uh, and we wanted to have uh, both the European and, uh, and a North American. Uh, that year was, was Austin, so we were tracking him down. But, but Austin was traveling that day and wasn't available until draft lottery day, the Saturday. So we wanted to make sure we had something in the bank. And, mm-hmm. and so we, we, we reached out to Patrick. And so I did it on the Friday afternoon. And um, I don't know how long the interview was. It was two, two, three minutes. We did a, we did about like a 60 minute interview. We cut it down a little bit, but part of it was just so bizarre. And my producer, uh, uh, who was doing that show, Brian Spear, produced Hockey Night in Canada, is in my ear going, is he, is he in bed? Is, it, is he lying down? And so I just, I just started pursuing some of that because yeah. I was more, well, I was just as curious as anybody else. What, and, and then he was so chill and you got that. And then when we brought up some of that and, and you saw the, the confidence out of him, yeah, it was so we do the interview, the show runs, Winnipeg wins the number two pick, and it's between now Liney's just he's he's really come on and he's he's made a big charge and he's passed Pugliarvi. He's in the number two hole. Some people are thinking maybe maybe he might take a, a run at Matthews. Uh and and so Winnipeg wins the draft lottery. I come off the air and I shake uh a Chevy and Mark's hands and I I, I actually saved the you know the, the logo that they flip over. Yeah. Uh, to, to show. So I, I went and grabbed that. I gave it to them as a, as a souvenir. And I said to, to Chevy, did you, did you see the interview? <laughs> he just laughs. He's like, yep. Yep. Saw the interview. Cause, cause it's a huge night for Winnipeg, this massive jump. But then you're also like, what did we just win? <laughs> because it was so different. So odd, not just different, but it was, strange yeah and and you it was the language and uh coupled in with being chill and then he's in bed and he's got this flowing hair and oh my god like and and oh it just became the it relaxed it did so much for the for the group for us uh yeah during the show because everybody's so tense and then that interview ran and i was in the control room and everybody in the in the control room from the national hockey league people to uh, to uh, Rogers people are all just like couldn't stop laughing and, and enjoying, uh, enjoying the moment. And then I met Patrick at the NHL combine and, mm-hmm. uh, in our little interview thing. And I said, I just wanted to let you know that I, I was the guy that interviewed you. It's like, what interview? I'm like the interview. 
Oh, oh, this, like it was the interview. Yeah. I like, I like how you could say the interview and he knew exactly interview. what you were talking yeah. about. Yeah. So I'd oh. love to, uh, I'd love to sit down with him again and, and watch that with him mm-hmm. at some point and just go over it because it was, it, um, and, and you know, there's moments where you're like, is this going to even run? Because this yeah, is you have so, to wonder. The, the, in the back of your mind while you're doing that interview, or in the back of my mind while I'm doing that interview, it's like, uh, is this even going to run? Because this is really weird and strange. Yeah. Oak well, did. Anyway. Scott Oak brought it up on with him in After Hours, by the way. He played the video for him, and uh, Patrick seemed very uncomfortable <laughs> when he saw it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and this but, is a man that can grow a beard that makes me uncomfortable in, yeah, in, yeah. in, in Patrick. So if that, uh, uh, if that is, is different, then that's, that's really different. I mean, right uh, after a game, it's probably not the best time to do it. That's Scott Oak for you. I always, yeah. always catching you off guard that way. I love Oki. Is there moments? Or is there a moment? Uh, there, I mean, of all the shows you did with Nick and with Elliot and stuff. What, what about the stuff behind the scenes where you maybe were laughing so hard that it was hard to get things back in control when you guys came live on air? Is, is there a moment like that you could share with us? Uh, there was uh, where where was one? There was uh, uh, during trade deadline day, mm-hmm. and uh, and Nick forgot we were on the air, and he just started walking around. And then came up and started talking to us. And we were, because his chair was empty, because he just wanders off and, and does uh, uh, phoning teams and, and networking and stuff. And then he came back and, and just started talking to us. In, interrupted Gary Galley and I. And we stopped and went, what, what, what? He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, we're having a conversation. It's like, well, and he, but he didn't realize, he's like, well, you're commercial. I'm like, no, we're live on the air. Oh. Like those those kind of moments where you're on the air for 13 hours and <laughs> yeah. you 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 lose track of of when you're on the air and when you're not on the air. Uh, yeah. It just because one just one big show. Uh, the day the ceiling caved in uh, on the radio show and and we just like live on the on on Hockey Central at noon. That was uh, that was one. And nobody nobody phoned and nobody checked on us. Uh, <laughs> we just were allowed to continue. And then threw the break, and then came back and finished the show, and still nobody bothered. <laughs> like Doug almost has head taken off. It's like, well, oh, I guess we're just, we're just you're all alone. Done. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, fill the air. Just fill the air, boys. We don't need you afterwards. It was, just get and to it the was, end of the show. It was one of the funniest things because they knew they knew how we work, and it was a Wednesday, uh, so we had the show that night, the, the national game that night, and we just got a note saying, please don't make a big deal of this tonight. <laughs> like oh, it's too way oh, too okay. late for that. Now, way now you just had a few under the fire. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that's uh, that's our opening, and we we may mention it a couple of times uh, after uh, after <laughs> after that. So, no, there's uh, there's there's a few of those uh, moments, uh, uh, stuff where um, you know, like off air stuff. We were taping promos, and mm-hmm. uh, and I can't remember. It was, it was Doug who was talking about uh, somebody on the crew, uh, shoes or socks or something like that, yep. kept kept talking about it. And and it was the audio person who he was talking about, not realizing that, that the audio person had their had earphones on and was standing like 30 feet away listening to everything we were saying. Uh, <laughs> like, 
stop talking. They're listening to you. You trash their 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 shoes or their socks or whatever it was. But uh, <laughs> stuff like that. Doug Doug uh, is brilliant, but he doesn't have a strong grasp of of how it all works. Yeah. So, so yeah. Uh, so sometimes you have to be quiet longer than you than yeah than he can be. Yeah, it's like just stop. Like his his, inst- his instincts uh, for for television aren't great. His hockey instincts are great, but his instincts no question. For, for and I always look at him and go, just stop, yeah. stop. It's like a six year old child sitting beside <laughs> one, you. One one upmanship. Uh, he was. Uh, I had him on the trip. Uh, another guy that I had on the trip, and uh, and he kept interrupting himself to tell another story about Ron Caron. Like, like, uh, why are you interrupting yourself? <laughs> uh, what have you thought of of the where where the Jets are right now in terms of, uh, you know, last year was a big step forward. Yeah. This year is is another step, but it's been a little bit more complicated, I guess, in some ways. Uh, I know a big part of that is it's a much younger team. But what have you thought of where the Jets have stepped so far this year as compared to where they were a year ago? Well, it shows you how a magical of a ride that was last year because it just it 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 hardly ever goes in a in a in an upward trajectory and keeps going that smooth. It, it's more like stock market or heart monitor, the ups yeah. and downs. Like, and it hasn't been a bad year by any means, but but certainly not as uh, consistent. Um, you haven't had uh, you've you've had a couple of blips in the in the Patrick uh, goal scoring. Uh, front and the and the injuries uh and a little more inconsistent out of uh out of uh Halley, uh back in, in in that so uh definitely uh not as um not as smooth of, of a ride but still battling for first place and you start to see where people get a little little spoiled or their expectations are a little uh out of whack when you're still a first place hockey club or contending for first place and there's uh, there's little critiques uh, critiques about it. So I think uh, it's a it's a very interesting it's more interesting year than last year and more probably more reflective I think in the overall uh, tradition of how a season goes than just that mm-hmm. that perfect uh, perfect season. But but the uh, emergence of or the continued growth the blossoming of of Kyle Connor and 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 what you've what you've seen out of, uh, of Tanov and there's been, there's some, some really cool moments, uh, that, that you can say there's, there's as, um, these are going to be really key parts in a playoff run, uh, mm-hmm. then, uh, uh, just like, like you saw a year ago. But, uh, I think if, if lining is going to break out, he's going to break out now. Uh, if he's ever going to break out, well, it'll coincide perfectly with, with, uh, with a playoff run, uh, Blake and, and Shifley are so, so good together. Uh, I still, I still think little is, is underappreciated in the hockey world, uh, for yeah. what he does and his patience. And he's so bloody smart. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I don't think, uh, I'm resigned to the fact that he'll never get his due, uh, because people are all always good. He's like a fixer. Uh, I call mm-hmm. him a fixer, uh, sort of what, uh, what Mitch Marner is with Toronto and those types of players where you put them with, with anybody uh, and they, they sort of get their games going. Um, so uh, there's, there's a lot of, lot of pluses, but there's also, I think it's a bit of a reality check this year for how, a, how a season does go and then the ups and downs of it. 
it's been an interesting year in, in the Western Conference. Uh, I mean, you look last year and it was Nashville, Winnipeg, and, and then everybody else. This year seems to be a little bit more of a mis- mishmash. Um, how are you liking how things are shaking out in the Western Conference as we get towards the playoffs? Uh, I have no idea about uh, how things are going to go in the Western Conference. Exactly. I, I'd, love, I, I'd love to just stand here and say, this is going to happen and that's going to happen, but it'd be a complete and utter guess or I'd be lying. Uh, uh, the, what, what Vegas, I happened to be in, in, in Vegas the day of the trade deadline and did a couple of games for their broadcast when Mark Stone arrived and uh, seeing, seeing how they were so excited about that acquisition. And that was a, a, a group that was, not lost, but uh, certainly had sort of wandered off what was what we had been used to seeing uh, from the from the Golden Knights, and and that acquisition has changed every line on their team. It's put everybody in the right spot. It's rejuvenated the power play. Uh, it's it's just put a whole lot of jump into their game, and they're a, they're a totally different team uh, now. Uh, uh, I would put them right with Calgary and San Jose uh, in, in that division. Uh, I still don't know about Nashville. Like the, the the acquisition, the trade deadline hasn't done anything for for them. Uh, mm-hmm. Wayne Simmons hasn't hasn't been able to find this groove. Uh, heck, uh, Kyle Turris was a healthy scratch, a couple of games. Uh, so I'm, I'm still those are the the Nashville's a team that scares me because they're just so unpredictable right now. They should be better. They're not. So why aren't they? And right. will it just, will it, will it just click in? And, uh, and I still don't know about, uh, about St. Louis and, uh, and, and in that, uh, on that front, I, I, I like to say that they haven't, uh, they, they sort of used up all their energy to get back in. Mm-hmm. But boy, that there's another team with great skill and a power play that uh that can get get going good and 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 shen can can score in bunches uh they're they're a little bit concerning so i have i left anybody who have i left out western conference so uh, i guess the, the wild card teams and do you want to play arizona right off the yeah. bat so I, whoever gets in there chicago sneaks in is funny i i don't yeah. mind playing dallas because of of the lack of depth mm-hmm. but ben bishop uh, I saw him play Vegas firsthand, and Vegas won the game. But Ben Bishop was like wacko good uh, mm-hmm. in that game. If he's healthy, and and Hudobin, I think is just uh, just he's a funny guy too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's so under uh, uh, underrated. Uh, that's the only thing that concerns me is their goaltending. It's a few. It's it's one of the rare Western Conference teams where goaltending uh, I, I would uh, I would be concerned about because most of them don't. Other than Vegas, uh, I don't have a, as much concern about. And like you want to say, Nashville is great goaltending, but then we saw that from Pekka Rene last year. Um, listen, we could talk all day about. Have, have I used up all your time so you don't have to do anything <laughs> on the top? Thanks for um, listen. That's why we're good friends for a reason. That's because you take up. You're, you're saving me a lot of work here. I do want to ask you one last thing before you go. Of course, you you had a great run at CKND. Otherwise known as Global, uh, with Gene yeah. Principe and um, Scott Brown, the PR guru from the uh, Winnipeg Jets, uh, regaled the story of you guys wearing uh, Jofa helmets. Could you uh, tell us what happened in that one and how out of control that scene got? It was, I don't know, Dirk, I think it was Dirk Graham at the time uh, was playing for Chicago. And this is the old Jofa, like the Gretzky Jofa helmets, uh, or Jofa mm-hmm. helmets, whatever they're called. 
So it's not very protective. Uh, uh, you might as well wearing uh, a flat rim ball cap because the, it just gave you that much protection. So uh, he got cranked one night and he got taken off. And I don't know how it got into helmets. So we went down to the local sports shop here uh, or in St. Mary's and uh, went down to the local sports shop and, and decided to put these things on. The first thing I noticed, two black yolfas, we had the uh, the chin straps uh, undone. We were looking really cool in our suits on the set doing a segment of, of sports line and went to put it on. The first thing I noticed was not to be considered as protective equipment. I'm like, well, there, that's a good sign right there that this thing isn't going to go right. And, uh, and it was something about a slasher, a stick to the head. So we were demonstrating that the Jofa shouldn't be used as, as uh, any type of protection. And Principe took a stick and hit me in the head. That was the skip. Uh, but he hit me in the head. Like, he really hit me. And there's a clip of it floating around somewhere. But you'll see the shock in my head because the guy legitimately hit me in the head. And Gene's like the nicest guy in the world. So like if it was Kiprios or, or Doug, I would expect them to, to, to take the opportunity to hit me hard and, 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 and get it out of their system. Not, not Gino. And, and Eugene cranked me in the head with a stick and it bloody hurt. Uh, and, and then I was, I don't know, we were cleaning the desk. It was, it was stupid. It was ridiculous, but it was fun. Um, yeah. and, and Joe, Joe uh, the old scooch there, Joe Scoochie, uh, I don't think we even told him we were doing it. He just would have turned on the TV that night and saw us jacking around with helmets on. Oh, uh, you have two it, characters like, like yourself. Day. Yeah. When you have two yeah. characters like yourself and that Joe, Joe's a straight shooter. He's, he's there's he's he likes to have fun but it must have been interesting having that uh relationship and having him for a boss because he's so serious and you and gene are not serious at yeah. that point and gene loved to push the envelope like he loved having doing the skits and the fun and and we had a producer uh calvin cron at the time and he, and he just he he was the guy that poked gene like got him going like what if we did this what if we did that what if we did this and yeah. uh like we we did one uh where the jets the lockout year, uh, the Jets home opener. We went to the Winnipeg Arena and tried to get in to go to the to the game that night, and mm-hmm. which obviously wasn't going to happen. And and we got like kicked out of the rink. The guy, the security guy, was so pissed off at us, and we and and that wasn't even like an act. The guy was legitimately pissed off at us for even like wasting his time that there was, there was he was probably mad because there was no game either. And, right. uh, and so, so he's like, didn't chase us out, but kicked us out. And we ended up in sitting in the Winnipeg stadium, uh, all alone pretending to watch a game, but there, we did a lot of dumb things, fun things, <laughs> dumb things. Uh, God, those are, I'm just thinking in my head now. I you got my head torn. Yeah, well, Gene seems all nice, but he's got, there's always got, he's got these little ideas that, He's like Lex Luthor. He's great. No, he's evil. Them for the benefit of the mankind, right? So yeah, he's yeah. evil. And and you know, you know, like if if you say yes to it, you <laughs> will get into trouble for it. Because it wouldn't will be walk, Gene. And he will walk away. Like just not Gene. No way. And he'll walk no. away unscathed, and you will yeah. end up in the boss's office. Anybody that uh, knows Gene or doesn't know Gene, he is the best guy to send in to ask a tough question because Gene can lob a softball but ask a hard question at the same time. I know that doesn't make sense to people, but no one, you, you just you can't you can't get mad at him even though we he's were, asking we were roommates. Job security. We were roommates in Winnipeg, and they uh, the what was your what address? 
Uh, we had lived at 87 Kerrigan Place in, uh, in the South End. And uh, I like I haven't been remember my postal code for 15 years in, in Toronto, but I remember that address. And we took the Grey Cup home one night uh, to our place. And uh, we had pictures of, like, just stupid things that you got to do because we had the Grey Cup on, on the set. It was mm-hmm. in Winnipeg. And the bombers were like, um, can you just take it home and bring it back the next day? Like, oh, tomorrow? Like, sure. Yeah. So I'm driving around in my, my Chevy Cavalier with a, uh, with a Grey Cup, <laughs> like, not even in a case. Just sitting in the seat beside me, and Eugene and I taking it home and getting pictures <laughs> with the gray cup in our basement. Yeah, yeah that's uh, that's us, idiots. Oh, thanks, buddy. <laughs> thanks, pal. You're, you're, you're a good idiot, so appreciate the time. <laughs> My pleasure. 50-50 tickets are now available online for all Winnipeg Jets games. Buy yours before the start of the third period by visiting tnyf.ca slash 5050 in support of the True North Youth Foundation. All right, that's uh, Darren Millard, formerly of Sportsnet, now has his own podcast. Of course, uh, former goaltender will always love the goaltender, so Connor Hellebuck's performance will clearly make him a, a happy man, but uh, some good conversation uh, with Darren Millard about that. Kyle Connor gets his first National Hockey League hat trick which plays perfectly into the next part of, of the Ground Control podcast, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. we got to hand out some uh, Jets reward points. All you got to do, jetsrewards.ca, start typing. It's one word in this situation. If you do this in English or any class, you will fail, but hat trick <laughs> is the code word today. It's not code words, all one word, hat trick, uh, which ties in nicely with Kyle Connor's first National Hockey League hat trick and a four-point performance for the Jets forward. Um it, now that they're in the playoffs, now you start going, who are they going to play? You start getting excited about that type of stuff. But it was really nice to see the crowd at Bell MTS Place. It was like they were raised. Like a, a switch was flipped on before they get to the ring tonight. Yeah, shout out to the uh, fans at Bell MTS Place tonight. It, it was loud in there. Mm-hmm. And, and you can tell that, you know, having been a witness to what went on in Winnipeg last spring... Uh, the fans want that again. I think we all do. So, uh, you know, getting hyped up in the middle of January and, and March, I get it. it. It's hard. But, you know, you got the Nashville Predators, you're argue, arguably your biggest rival, coming in on a Saturday night. Everybody's fired up. Juice is being flowed yeah, they everywhere. Were, yeah. People are excited. And, and you come Probably away still with, partying right now. Yeah, and you come away with a 5 nothing win, so... Really exciting uh, couple of weeks, and every player mentioned it post game. Paul Maurice as well. They, they thought it was a it was a big factor in that first period. I think Paul Maurice said something along the lines of the fans didn't really give you an option to not be wired for it in the first period. Started from the the anthems right through to opening puck drop. To I mean, it was uh, you want to talk stellar performances. The fans also put one in. Yeah, it's uh, kind of similar to time count violations. Yes. A little bit, so. <laughs> a little bit, yeah, yeah, a little bit. It was, it was, it was neat to be a part of. You got the chills going, and when that clinch video went up, uh, we ran on the Just TV Live uh, post game show as well. But when it went up on the jumbotron here at Bell MTS Place, it was something else. And now, now it's for real. The party's coming soon, uh, April tenth. Not sure if the Jets are starting the playoffs on that day, but it's probably around that area. Now you're worried about, not worried about, wondering who's going to play. One of those possible opponents could be the Dallas Stars who is one of the Jets' opponents, or their next opponent here on this uh, four-game homestand on Monday. They have the Islanders here a little bit later in the week, and then they wrap out their final homestand against the Montreal Canadiens. Things you're looking forward to seeing this week as we get closer and closer to the Stanley Cup playoffs, Mitch. Um, 
I think, obviously, you mentioned the Dallas Stars there, so there's a little bit of intrigue uh, with that matchup, uh, just with how the, the two teams uh, seem. I mean, you look at how the Stars have been playing of late, uh, pretty solid defensively. I mean, Ben Bishop went on that incredible run over the course of three and a bit games, not allowing a goal. He was he was fantastic. I'm actually curious to get another look at the, the New York Islanders, even though it's an Eastern Conference team, um, just because they've been playing so strong defensively throughout the entire season and the one time that the Jets did face them Jets did pick up a win in that one it was another one of those performances where every line was was going and they had some adversity to face with uh, injuries on the blue line um you know could very well still be the case when, when the Islanders come in but I think it'll be another uh, real stiff test uh, for the Jets and, and one that uh, obviously they're open to because the entire month of March has been one big challenge for them one thing with Barry Trotz's gang, uh, their improvement the defensive department cannot be over department yeah. cannot be overstated. One of the best teams, if not the best team, defense wise, which is a great challenge for the Jets as they get towards the playoffs when everything's tightened up. Uh, Saturday, Tyler, uh, the Montreal Canadiens in town. But the, one of the reasons why, or the reason why, this game will be special. It doesn't matter where the Jets are sitting at that moment, if they're division champions or not. But Bob Cole's final broadcast here in Winnipeg will be special. Uh, you've clearly grown up with Bob Cole as the voice of hockey in some aspects. Uh, just how excited are you to see Mr. Cole when he comes to building that night? Really excited. I think he, in my time here, I've, I've only ever been witness to a game with him in the building like two or three times and right. uh, never had the opportunity to go in and say hi. And I'm sure uh, people in similar situations to ours have probably been on a steady parade to the broadcast booth. So, um, you know, it's about being respectful, but a really exciting to have him in the building uh, on Saturday against the Montreal Canadiens, and and uh, I'm sure there'll be some sort of uh, tribute to Mr. Cole and and the work that he's done over the course of uh, his time at Hockey Night in Canada, and uh, yeah, just listening to his voice and and so iconic with Stanley Cup playoffs, him and Harry Neal teaming up mm-hmm. and him calling you know all kinds of goals, you know the Dallas Stars, the New Jersey Devils, the Colorado Avalanche of the '90s. That was my yeah, that was my era growing up, and and those teams dominating for for many years. So uh, it'll be sad to see him go, but I wish the, him best of luck in his future endeavors. What is going on in Winnipeg? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> that was the. It's uh, on our podcast yeah. intro. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, Mr. Cole is a part of our podcast. If we can land Bob Cole for our podcast this week coming up, I think we could probably just shut her down after that. <laughs> probably not. Sometimes we're like, go. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've reached the top of the mountain. We are good. <laughs> we've just before Everest. we wrap up. Yes. Big shout out to the Manitoba Moose winning in overtime tonight. Uh, so I believe I don't have the standings in front of me, but I, that might just be enough to get them into a playoff spot at this moment. So that's, uh, that's Unreal. a big shout out to them because a whole lot of adversity on the goaltending side of things, uh, just as it was for the jets. Mm-hmm. Um, with, didn't Paul uh, Murray Lor- say we've been stealing it. We stole their players. Yeah. 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 So yeah. it was, uh, quite the uh, goaltending weekend for the Manitoba Moose, but, uh, Tucker Pullman wins it in overtime for them. It's crazy how an injury to your backup goaltender at the NHL level can have a trickle down effect so that, a goalie who just finished his CIS career yes. signs an ATO, hops on a plane to Colorado and backs up on a Friday night and then watches a guy who flew all the way from Jacksonville, I think, yes. to Colorado across the country and picks up a shutout. was listening to it's an wild. interview uh, with it's Mitch incredible. Peacock. He said uh, Appleby arrived at 5.15 p.m. for a 7 o'clock game and 
shut out. <laughs> the trickle down effect is crazy. It's like it's nuts. anyways. Just wanted to get that we in. Should. It just came across Twitter. And there's a good reason for this. We're going a little bit longer this time, and it's for a good reason. A lot of good things to celebrate, and we should also mention uh, the incredible job that Pascal Vincent has done down in with the American Hockey League's Manitoba Moose. Won the Coach of the Year award last year. Has to be a strong candidate again, especially if they get in the playoffs. So congratulations to the Manitoba Moose. A great uh, weekend so far. Thank you so much for listening to the Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. This is Big Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, hosted by Jets TV. For Jets news, videos, and more, head to winnipegjets.com.